dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Anyone involved in sales knows that the customer is always right. If this is the case, then why did St. Paul seem to bother his customers so profoundly and irk them so regularly? What was it that St. Paul was proposing that was so earth-shattering to his listeners? Hi, everybody, and so glad to be with you here. What an opportunity we have to go deeper in our sense of what it means to be a leader in the Christian world, and especially what it means to be as a business leader in the Christian world. And so while, you know, of course, moms, dads, everybody can, you can apply this in your different areas of life equally. So it still has a special pertinence for us to, to take the time to think, how does our Christian faith really impact what we do in the area of commerce? I mean, how we exchange goods and services, this is something that makes the world go around, and it's often ignored by spiritual people, almost like it was secondary. But we got to remember that the schools in our great country are funded by taxes that come in large part from businesses, everybody, and the roads that bring the kids to the schools and the hospitals and the services and the first responders. There's an economy that allows us certain amenities of life that all of us treasure and that enable our life to not only be good, but to be excellent. And those amenities of life come, well, in large part because of the contributions of the world of business. And so I want to speak especially here today to you involved in business and involved in the world of commerce so that you can hear the gospel message addressed to you. But what's unique about this, as always, is that the message that I've got for you today is not one that squarely focuses on business. It actually focuses on your souls. And it's the same message that St. Paul brought to the men of his day, and which did not always receive from them accolade and welcome. Of course, I'm hoping I can do a little bit better today with this audience and hopefully leave without getting stoned, which is more than St. Paul could say sometimes. So let's start us off with a prayer and just ask the Holy Spirit here to anoint this time together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, illumine the hearts of thy faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John, pray for us in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
I want to start us off with a, a question for all of you. Just how important to you is your faith? Now, I, I'm, I'm looking at you and I'm realizing, okay, you're probably saying to yourselves, well, it's very important. It's the utmost. That's why I'm sitting here listening to you, Father Nathan. So, congratulations. If that's the case, you know, that's true. It is, it is very important. But is it, do you give the faith its full measure? And there I think all of us look and we say, well, no, probably we don't, right? Uh, but at the same time, do we want to? And then we say, well, we do, of course. And then I say, do you really want to? Here's what I'm getting at. Faith requires from us a decisive reprioritization of our lives that shakes for many of us the lifestyle that we're currently living. But I want to say that's really not a big deal. Not a big deal in the face of the deep question that we all should be asking ourselves, which is what is this all for anyway? Just this morning I got off the phone with uh, a, a friend who's telling me about a, a, a mutual friend who is dying, you know, at age 49 of, of lung cancer. And I know that you, you all have similar situations in your lives where people who are close to you, right, kind of are asking those deep questions. The thing about faith is that it hurries those questions along because immediately, instead of down the road when maybe something will happen, you start to live in the light of the final things. These are the, the four last things that the, the church proclaims, right? Death, judgment, heaven, or hell. These are the four things that we know are the, at the end of our lives. Now, we could talk about purgatory. We could talk about indulgences. There are all kinds of different things. But in the end, we know it comes down to those four things that are waiting for each one of us in our lives. Death, judgment, heaven, or hell. And if we keep that in line, keep that in mind, it's amazing how correct that allows us to set our priorities. You know, from the, what are we doing for charity to not just what are we doing for charity, but what are we doing for Christ's poor? What are we doing for the next generation of young Catholics? How are we investing in our parishes? How are we giving back to allow them to give? And we think to ourselves, well, you know, but the most number one thing is this or that or this or that. I want to challenge you just for a second. When St. Paul was on the earth, and we're going to see this in today's message to you here, he had a challenge for the world of business. And it wasn't that the world of business was bad. Not at all. It was that the world of business was very good. It's just that the world of business needed to serve a deeper reality. And that therefore the leaders of the world of business needed to convert their hearts to that deeper reality. This was his disturbing proposition to those who are engaged in with all of their energies and greatness and putting it out there day in and day out in order to make the world go round and move the ball down the field. These are, these are great heroes of our day. They're the people that make our country hum and work. It's the workers of this world. But he came to propose in a very deep way that the workers of this world needed to work for this world in order to bring this world to a deeper set of values, to an understanding of its true greatness and ultimate fulfillment in God. And that message required of the listeners, the leaders of this world of commerce today, a heart that was open to a bigger perspective on their businesses than that of making profit and advancing so that they could sell it 
for 10 times its worth and retire and live like a king in Patagonia. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like many of us, that's what we're living for. That's what we're thinking about. We want to leave millions of dollars behind in our wills to our, our kids. And I just want to challenge you, like why? Wasn't the process by which you went to make all that prosperity part of what made you truly great? Do you think that taking that process away from them by granting them easy prosperity is going to give them the character that you have? Is character formed by ease or is character formed by struggle? And what is your real legacy? Is it a million dollars or two or three or five that you can give to each one? Or is it the spirit that drove you to the greatness you've achieved? I want you to think about that profoundly because regardless of what you choose to do in your wills, there's something that's more, that's deeper still. And that is what you choose to do with your souls and who you are. It's not a question of either or, it's a question of both and, but there is a question of either or when it comes to priorities. And what we're living for deep down inside has got to transcend the profits and the financial success that we strive for. My gosh, we're Christians. We do not belong to this world. We go to heaven and our eyes need to be there. Jesus said, where your heart is, there also will your treasure lie. Well, where is your heart? Where is your treasure? I think that as Christians, this is Paul's disturbing proposition. It's to tell each one of us, and we're going to see here that he is not well received by this world of business at his day. But he still proclaims it nonetheless. He says it loud and clear. We were not made for this world. We were made through this world for the next, where we live with God. And what we are called to do here below is bring that greatness of God to already shine forth and erupt into this world to hurry heaven up, but not to let lose the sight of heaven for the sake of this world. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org and subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. Now, I know it's not easy to hear, you know, St. Paul's disturbing proposition. It's not easy for us to hear that, you know, that really heaven is the goal, right? Because we... <laughs> I mean, like, it's just hard. We, no one's ever been there, right? So people have gone, but they don't seem, they seem to like it so much they don't come back, right? So we just kind of say, well, I don't know what's going to happen next. And so I'm just going to focus myself here on what I've got in front of me to do, which is to run my business, make my hires, move, move the, the day, go into the grind, keep going along. And I'm just like, stop for one second. I am going to tell you this. You will be a better business person the more that you are a Christian. You will be a better leader the more you are a Christian, not a worse, a better one. And, and be, why? Because if you were living your business life every day and your professional life, your career, as if you were a friend of God, it w you would invest more in it and give more to it and not less. What if you had the deep down conviction that God was calling you into this career? I mean, you, you'd be amazing. 
You'd be amazing at it. You'd give the best of yourself to it. You would study, study during the off times. You would be accepting of the grind of the difficulties. You would persevere like no one else. You'd be unstoppable because you'd say, this is the call of God on my life to make him known in and through these ways and these means. Oh my gosh, you'd be amazing. And that's just it. I, I kind of wonder if maybe you could do a lot better in your business world and in your leadership of your companies and of your sales teams and of your doctor's offices. I wonder if you couldn't be better sales clerk or wherever you find yourself in this world of commerce. I'm wondering if you couldn't do it even better because of Jesus Christ. If you were his soldier and you had a deeper meaning and a deeper purpose, you wouldn't allow yourself to get depressed that you're only selling whatchamacallits. You'd say, you know what? Those whatchamacallits, they're making the world go around. I've seen that attitude. I used to be a garbage man, believe it or not. Sanitation engineer. That's what we call ourselves. <laughs> Why? Because we had a deeper perspective. You know, there was so much pride in our truck when we finished cleaning off those streets. You'd, you'd turn your, your street and you, all you see is garbage bags out on everyone's lawn. And then you thought to yourself, my job is to make this neighborhood clean. It's to take all that trash away and to do it in an orderly fashion, on time, with great service. Oh my gosh, we had an amazing attitude as we did that. Why? Because I, I know I was doing it in a much deeper service. I, you know those garbage folks, I don't know if you realize this or not, but we, I was throwing garbage at negative seven degrees. Negative seven, and I'm out there hanging on a metal garbage truck in small town Ohio, jumping into snow banks to rescue people's garbage out of the snowbanks and throw them in there. And I, I don't know many people, if you've ever thanked your garbage worker, but I think it's about time that you do because those guys are pretty heroic. I mean, who wants on you know, two days after Christmas, you don't feel like going out there. You put your garbage out and you go back in your warm house. There goes the garbage guy and he's got to do it because that's his civic duty. Well, you know, and so if he has the mindset of saying, well, you know what, all I'm doing is I'm just, I'm just a lowly garbage man. I hate this job. Well, he's, he's going to do the job, but he's not going to do it nearly as well as an energetic person who says, I'm here as an agent of God to clean the streets so that my country can live in a better prosperity and people can avoid disease. I mean, like, wow, it's a mindset, right? I know it's kind of a silly one, but at the same time, a Christian takes that kind of mindset into whatever they do. A Christian doesn't look at their lives as small ever. Doesn't look at what they do as insignificant ever. Why? Because what they do is an extension of Jesus Christ in, his, in this world. I am the hands and the feet and the mind and the voice of Christ as I heal you and take your order and receive you in the checkout line and stock the shelves and, and, and build the buildings and swing the hammers. I, it is Christ through me who is serving this world in order to bring this world a reflection of the glory that is to come and to raise the hearts of men and women to the hope for heaven through our service of the secular world. I'm sorry if you, if you don't have that perspective, and I'm here to welcome you into it. It's called being a Christian business leader, a Christian professional. And that's what I mean. We, we think, oh no, you know, if we start thinking about heaven and religion and all this stuff, somehow it's going to reduce my capacity. This is not what Paul's doing. Remember when St. Paul himself was on the earth, he was a business person. Have you realized that? But Paul was a tent maker. So being a tent maker, he had to order, 
the new materials, procure the materials, store the materials, fabricate the tents, sell the tents, ship the tents. I don't know how he would do that, right? I mean, he had to have all those different steps. And then if he had other workers working with him, you had collaboration going on, you had fair working, you had wage, you had profit, you had the understanding of how the economics work for each tent. He had to do his pricing. He had, I mean, obviously he would have done it in a different way, I suppose, but the, and the rudiments are the same. In order for me to eat, I have to work. And he even says this in one of his letters. He said, you know what? Anybody who would not work, they should not eat. Right? Because Paul knew the value of work. When he gets to Corinth, even though he's out on the road preaching and living at people's homes and off of their hospitality while he's serving the word, when he runs out of money in Corinth, where does he go? Priscilla and Aquila. Take a look. Acts 18. He's with Priscilla and Aquila and he works with his own hands for a year and a half while he stood in their midst. He stayed with them and he worked and he worked underneath Priscilla and Aquila who were tent makers. So Paul went right back to his trade. He was a tradesman and and in knowing the value of the work, he understood very well what was happening and how money worked. If you take a look at Acts 17, for example, he gets in trouble because he dares to proclaim that the, the dignity of a human being is, is bigger than their social slavery or their economic impact that they could give to owners. Take a look at Acts 17. You have here an amazing scene. You've got a woman possessed, a girl, a slave girl possessed by a demon. She's triply owned. She's owned by her, her society because she's a slave and, and, and that's her social status. She's owned by the owners, multiple owners. Very interesting. It says that in this passage, multiple owners, right? So she's, she's owned by multiple people and then she's possessed by the devil. She is threefold a slave and she starts proclaiming Paul. So while Paul's there, she's like, listen, this is a man for the most high God. Listen to him. Paul could use that proclamation of a threefold slave for his own benefit. He he could allow this this poor girl who's thus enslaved to proclaim him and open doors for him. And he could make all kinds of converts if only he also owned her. Just like the people who unfortunately were taking advantage of her. And Paul sets her free. Greatly annoyed, he turns to her and he he performs an exorcism and releases the demon from her. What happens? The owners, realizing that they had lost control of their possessed girl, whom they were using for gain, she ends up, they end up dragging St. Paul, notice where it says, into the marketplace. And there in the marketplace, amidst all of the other businessmen, Paul is condemned without even a trial because he threatens the social order that allowed Philippi to exist and to thrive. The same pattern will happen in Thessalonica. When he goes from Philippi into Thessalonica, once again, they try to arrest him and they accuse Paul of threatening their relationship with Rome. In other words, the economy trumps Paul's message of salvation. We do not want to allow our religion to get in the way of our work because our work keeps this world in its proper order according to our human understanding. 
And in fact, Paul was there with a disturbing proposition that in fact this world was passing away and that Jesus Christ was the only king to whom we own absolute, owe absolute allegiance. It's a very disturbing proposition. And it's one we have to find the balance for in our own life. Because if I don't allow Jesus to be king, well, who is it that I am then serving? And if I don't allow Jesus to be king, then which prophets do I allow to speak to me in my life? Who is it that I'm following? Who is it that I'm obeying? St. Paul's serving proposition for us, my friends, is the same as it was for them. This world is important. Your work is vital. Your skills are necessary. But God comes first. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. You know, one of the things that I really like about St. Paul is, is his moxie, right? And <laughs> it can also be a kind of a disturbing moxie, but this guy was a free man. I mean, he stood in the front of people who were going to condemn him, looking forward to bearing witness to them. It's almost like he got energized by the conflict. Now, being someone who's not easily energized by conflict, <laughs> I can say that, like, you know, I, I, I admire this, but I also don't understand it. You would think that, gosh, getting mobbed, like he got mobbed in Derby, then he got mobbed in Philippi, then he got mobbed in Thessalonica, then he got mobbed in Berea. You, you know, at, this is after he was attempted to be killed in Damascus, tried to be killed in Jerusalem. It's no wonder when you read 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and St. Paul goes through all of the different things that he went through, he lists off like five different kinds of dangers. He's like, I was constantly in danger by rivers, danger in the country, danger in the city, danger from falling. <laughs> it's just like he's got this obsession with being in danger. And I think it's probably because realistically, I mean, six different times his life was in imminent jeopardy, four times by mobs. And that's not, that's all, that's just on his missionary journeys. He's not even into Jerusalem yet where he'll be mobbed again. A riot will break out. There's whole crowds of people in public opinion against him. And yet St. Paul just keeps on going. He's unreal how strong he is with respect to everybody else. It's almost like he's like, he says, I have accepted the loss of all things that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Philippians. I've accepted the loss of all things. I have been called a fool and been made a fool for the sake of Christ. I mean, when I came amongst you, as he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that I came with fear and much trembling and anxiety. Now, Paul was not immune to what he was facing, but he kept going. And I asked myself, why would Paul keep going? And, I, and I, I want to say it's because what he was proposing, it wasn't just disturbing to our world order, namely serve God and live as if heaven was real. Give what you have to the poor. You know, serve with your life. You can't take it with you, everybody. I don't know why we build up for ourselves treasures for this earth when Jesus tells us time and time again not to. Now I get it. You're like, well, I want to give it to my kids. And again, 
I just want to say that's noble and good, but maybe you can give it to your kids in intelligent ways. Here's an idea. Why don't you say in your, in your uh, stewardship of your money that you're giving it to the kids in order that they might give it away? That would be something. Creating a financial structure that would enable you to, beyond the grave, give your kids that example that this money that daddy earned, that mommy earned, this money actually is for you to make fruitful by giving it to charities yourselves. And then you create for your family a legacy that's much greater than another house and another condo, another car for your kids to enjoy. And, and, and I just, I just want to say that again because we don't think deeply enough about the power that we have to proclaim the faith by our example. If you really believe that heaven is really where you're going and you've accepted the fact that our life continues on in heaven, then why would you want to proclaim to your family that the things of this earth really ought to take first priority? In fact, St. Paul's proposition is so amazing because what he's living for in and through the greatness of this earth and respecting the world of business and commerce, respecting it so much that he himself participated in it, being a tent maker, a salesman, you know, and, and having the benefit of many people who were successful in this world. Lydia, who put him up. Aquila and Priscilla, who put him up. Jason, who put him up. You know, it's like th there's all kinds of figures in the life of the apostles. Even Jesus himself relied upon the, the, the benefits of the holy women who would follow him around. He himself was receiving gifts from the steward of Herod. The steward of Herod, who took care of all of his things, actually then was giving donations through his wife to Jesus Christ, who was living off of that. There's not a problem in the gospel with accepting the role of those who are wealthy and successful. And therefore, there's not a problem if Christ is calling you to be successful in this world. The problem comes when you allow that to dominate your heart instead of him. And the disturbing proposition of St. Paul is a beautiful one. And it's this, there's something even greater that you can have in your life and an even greater success that you can obtain in this life and achieve. And it's the freedom of the soul that I'm exhibiting. I, Paul, who live losing all things in this world with my head held high and my heart full of God. I live for Jesus Christ, his faith, his love, his mercy, and that spirit that is within me plunges me towards this world with an even greater vehemence and an even greater zeal. I love this world in his name and I serve it in his name, for I am his apostle. He has claimed me from this world to bring this world to him in beauty and grace and mercy. And that's a proposition worth accepting. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.